0: Well, hello, everyone. Trust you're having a great week. Oh, right. So uh, we will not spend a lot of time today just because, well, we're kind of at a very interesting point in our Revelation Code journey. We are not at a conclusion, even though the end of the year is upon us. And um, yeah, so we are just going to trust the Lord for grace to not open up anything new and kind of tie up progress so far in the bow um if you've been joining us you know that we've been talking about um the ministration of the four horsemen and the breaking of the seven seals and trying to navigate all of that but before we get into all those details i want to remind you that this spinoff the revelation code is actually a spinoff of our mysteries of the kingdom and um As Francis was saying, love in his readings, um, he's really grateful whenever he sees people hungry for God's word. And basically, we're we're following up to our recently concluded conference. Our Washington prophetic conference. I have a flyer somewhere? It's in here somewhere. Past events, and it is not there. Okay, but it's somewhere. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> our Washington prophetic conference. Mm-hmm. I was A4 Dolor graphic. Yeah, I can show you guys the A4 graphic version, but you guys know the drill anyways. So um, our, our conference happened in September, that period of time. And ever since then, we've been drilling and driving in all the things the gave to us. So without more to do, We can get started. Okay, so let's switch back real quick. We'll not be spending too much time um, just dialing in reminding ourselves of everything that's happened so far and again, tying everything up. So, um, yes, real quick. Um, let me see last time we were looking at the four horsemen and the breaking of the seven seals, basically getting into the book of life. What is the book of life all about? What are the four living creatures about? What are the four horsemen about? What is this whole spiel? Can you guys hear me? What makes sure I'm being heard. Having like a little bit of um, an interesting situation here with um, audio. Can you all hear me? Oh, weird. Hmm. Okay. Uh... Great, great. Okay, cool. All right. Okay. So we've been talking about the four horsemen and their assignments and how the chariots of fire, the four horsemen, the four chariots, Um, these are not necessarily harbingers of death as they're known to be, and evil, but rather they are spiritual operations of God that are meant to administer moves of God's spirit here on the earth. And we use several verses in Zechariah and um, other people's encounters with these entities to illustrate what their assignments are. These four horsemen are not for death and destruction, but rather they're meant to be like chariots um, through which um, the, so what are chariots used for? Chariots are military weapons, that is the truth. They're also used um, to empower military, that's the truth. You see that all throughout the Bible. But mostly chariots are for moving things, right? Chariots are like cars, like vehicles, right? So you have chariots that their sole purpose is uh, moving, for example, um, the king, um, which speaks of like an authority figure, right? From place to place, you have chariots whose major assignment is moving soldiers, right? Maybe generals, military generals, right? So looking at authority figures and maybe to deliver a message. Those are the major, I said those are three major things, right? Authority figure of the king, something ceremonial, right? Authoritative. And um, maybe a messenger of the king because chariots are used to cover large distances. You can say the chariots are used to, you know, Get messages across, communicate something, and lastly, chariots are used for moving, you know, damage, <laughs> communicating pain. So you can have um, a kingdom um, administering their emotional, uh, their feelings about their enemies. You can administer that using the special communication devices known as chariots as well. <laughs> so these four main things, these three main things, I just described just now. You can find that being used in. Um, in in the ministry of the four living of the four horsemen. Sorry, okay. And basically, their assignment is can be captured in these three things I just mentioned. Now, okay, moving like, uh, gonna authoritative like I'm going to say moving authoritative figures, moves of God's spirit, right? Authoritative moves of God's spirit, where God communicates like um, communicates with the earth, as well as um, some kind of militant campaign, right, where God wages warfare against the elements of this world. And I think the other thing I said was authority, right? Authority, okay, so authority moves the God spirit, God communicating with this world. And lastly, a military campaign against the things and forces of this world. So all of these things can be captured in revivals, in moves of God, right? You find uh, whenever God is moving, God is on the move. There's authority behind it, right? And at the same time, the kingdom of darkness is being judged and then whenever a move of God is upon the earth, there is always a message that God is trying to communicate. You know, you go back to Jesus' Christ's revival, what was the message God was communicating? And it was very obviously the Acts chapter two, right? Right, The, the outpouring of God's spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That was the main. say now the great awakening god was saying something else at that point in time right he was communicating something else you can go back even further right not just the great awakening you can look at something like um reformation right the martin luther thing with a something something thesis who knows how many sorry but please can you kind of repeat these terms? okay cool i'll listen about again okay the first one all right is for Transporting, this happened in the the chat, okay? Entities of governmental authority. Okay, that's the first one. The second one, communicating, okay? Communicating messages. Communication, we could say, yeah, delivering messages. Okay. the final one, military campaigns, okay. So basically you're gonna find the chariots of fire, they serve these purposes, right? Um, I mentioned before that they transport entities, they're called the princes of Israel, right? The chariots of fire, the horsemen of Israel, okay? And what their major purposes are, they're captured in these three things, okay? Communicating, inspiration from heaven, right? They are also using God's warfare against the agencies of darkness, and they're also transporting entities of governmental authority. Okay. So I was talking about moves of God, yes, and how moves of God, they capture all of these things. You would see Azusa Street, for example, um, what was the message that was being communicated, right? God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. People should prophesy. The gift of tongues is restored in a a brand new fresh or loud or vibrant new way, Right? Um, you also see that warfare was being waged against the veil that held that back, right? Um, there was this veil of of, of um, the outpouring of God's spirit being relegated to like specific individuals. And um, the veil also that spirit of non-spirituality, right? During the time when this issue was happening, not too long after that, I believe. I'm hoping I'm getting the timing right. We had Maria Woodworth etter ministering as well, right? And people were beginning to have trances and crazy experiences with this lady's ministry, which is really, really intense, like what was happening during that period of time. So those are the veils that been judged and they were judged by the military campaigns um, of heaven upon the earth with chariots of fire, right? You can also look at the transporting of governmental authority because all of these moves of God that took place upon the earth, all of them, they had a very clear mission to the body of Christ from heaven. And God was administering something that was precious. And because of that, there was this authority that came with it. It swept through the church, right? You see that with every single move of God. You Go back even further, you have the great awakening, message of sanctification. That was what was being communicated. Obviously, there was authority there as well. What was the military campaign? Almost every move of God is fighting warfare against worldliness, right? Against uh, people getting born again, but not living a sanctified life. That was the warfare that was taking place there, right? You go back to uh, what's his name, Martin Luther, the Reformation, the Great Reformation that took place that time, right? And what was the military campaign? It was against the papacy, directly against the papacy, right? And the message was that the just shall live by faith, right? And um, you could argue the authority that was brought there was sort of the church um, at large, and not just the. Um, uh, not just the word laity, no laity is the average person, but the laity and the ministers of the gospel were both exposed to the same counsel of God. All of those things were broken into by that move of God. You go further back, you have other moves of God in different places, but those are the main ones we have right now. There's things like the great healing revival, right? The healing wave that hit hit the hit America with all the healing evangelists from that period of time, right after World War I, I believe, or World War II. Right after that period of time, the Jacko's, those people, right? Um, when they showed up on the scene, it was very clear they had authority. It was also very clear of the message they brought <laughs> of the healing power of our Lord Jesus Christ, Or Roberts, right? Bringing the message of God's goodness. And warfare was being made against different doctrines, but also veils of doubt and unbelief. Hallelujah. So you're gonna find these moves of God always bringing these things. That's why I draw heavy attention to the Chairs of Fire as personal moves of God, amen, that people receive and they steward it actively. Okay. The reason for that emphasis was so that it, it could be a proper cosmology of what's happening when we read Revelations chapter six. We're not thinking about something cosmic happening in the heavenlies, but rather we're looking at, okay, what is happening on the inside of every believer when the seals are broken? <laughs> Because understanding um, everything I just said now would give more interpretation to what happens here. So when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four living beings saying, come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Okay, now when you read the conquering and to conquer, you might make the mistake of thinking that he's going out conquering and it's a worldwide war. okay, the last meeting of the year. Okay, LWDC people are still having a meeting noted. All right, gotcha. Someone just messaged me telling me let me know the reason why he's not Join right now. Okay, so um, yes, when the lab opened the first seal, you see the white horsemen, um, the warfare there. That could be a good question to someone's heart, right? The message there, another another question, in someone's heart, right? And what authority is being um, transported by the breaking of this seal? These are the kind of questions that we need to be asking when we're discussing this whole thing revolving around the four horsemen. When each of these guys are released, they are not released to the church on a church-wide or global basis, but rather they're released on an individual basis. This has to be very clearly understood. The seals are broken individually over people's heads. So when the seals are being broken, these are not worldwide cosmic events. These are private encounters that people are having on a day to day. So for example, let's say I wanna seek the Lord in isolation by myself, in prayer. I can get visited by these entities, maybe not in a visual way, but definitely these encounters are available to us as believers who are taking our Christian life seriously. And one of the first thing they come for is worldliness that is a, that is a major warfare the major warfare in the church is against worldliness you're going to see that recurring in every military campaign of the chance of fire now as each uh, um, veil of worldliness is torn you are going to find that they're also bringing in authority figures right uh, uh, authoritative entities of god uh, um, um, to minister to you so for example um, you as a believer you're receiving the ministration of these um, of spiritual entities, what you're going to be finding is that these guys will be bringing to you angels of God with a lot of authority. They'll be bringing to you uh, um, a lot of um, visitations from heaven. And the purpose of those visitations, those encounters, right, those angels of God coming is that they're bringing with, with them kingdom authority. And that's what you're going to find happening upon all people that receive this breaking of the seals, okay? Okay. These encounters actually bring with them authority. The breaking of the seals, okay, gives you some kind of authority. Please understand these are private experiences. Okay, lastly, messages, okay? These guys are bringing messages from heaven. And the purpose of those messages, right, is that there will be an understanding of the content of the book of life. Remember, we explained before that the book of life is not um, a record, right, of different things. The Bible explains that we are the epistles of Christ, written not with ink, but written by the spirits of the living God, amen? And so basically the ink used for writing is actually a spiritual entity. In other words, writings in the realm of the spirit are entities. So if I want to write down, or if I want to communicate love, right? I want to talk about love. I want to, um, in essence, um, um, communicate love to someone, I need a physical entity, some kind of entity, an actual entity, a personality has to emerge out of me and hit that person. In other words, when words are, when spiritual entities communicate, they're not just bouncing sound waves off of each other, but instead what's actually happening is a transaction that takes place where the entity that's communicating releases his essence into the other entity. And that's how dialogue takes place. This is why when Satan communes with Eve in the garden, Of Eden, the consequence of Eve's dialogue with Satan is that she dies. Please understand that when Eve was talking to Satan, there was no. (laughs) Things very important. There was no actual. There's no actual. How many know there's no actual tree of knowledge of good and evil? How many know that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Hallelujah, is Satan's life. Amen. It's not a physical tree. The tree of life is Jesus Christ. Amen. Not an actual tree. How many of you know that? There is no actual tree like that per se, like a physical tree called the tree of life. How many of you know that? Quick show of hands. If you know that, raise your hand or gesture in some way, form, or fashion. Okay. Hallelujah. So when the Bible talks about the tree of life, amen. The Bible is not speaking about a physical tree somewhere in the center of the universe. Hallelujah. The tree of life is Jesus' life. Amen. The tree of life is eternal life. The life of God. Hallelujah. God's life is not a tree. Hallelujah. God's life is God's life for us. Amen. But the Bible illustrates these things prophetically for us because in the realm of the spirit, these things are illustrated in this manner, but it's very important that we understand that there's no physical tree anywhere. No. So all these different around when people have encounters, when people have prophetic experiences, what's actually happening is that the Holy Spirit is feeding to you, all right? Is feeding something to you. A good way of explaining all of these things is by looking at websites when you go on the internet. How many of you know that there's no actual Facebook website like that? Like for reals. When Facebook website was being built, it wasn't built. There's was no place called Facebook per se, right? What's actually happens is that people they wrote code. They put some code down, okay? And the purpose of the code was to craft an experience. And the purpose of that experience is that when you visit the website, you get surgery data. If you actually were to interact with that data in a draw form, it would be very unintelligible when you compare it to the experience that you had. Does that make sense? So, You don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, another good example of this is how many of you know that when your, your actual Facebook data, like your Facebook library, your Facebook history of likes and dislikes, those are all abstractions. How many of you know that? When you click click on a page, that's just an entry in a database, amen? That's not, you didn't really like the photo per se, even though that, that, is, you know, that process is referred to as that, so you can call it that if you want to. But who gets what I'm saying here? It's just an abstraction, a layer of abstraction it it, almost like a construct that we use, amen, to understand what's happening. Thank you so much, okay? Excuse me, I put my notes, sorry. Okay, so yes. So when you're looking at spiritual things in the Bible, look at them in the same way. Those things are literal prophetic allegories of spiritual realities, which in their true form are very difficult to describe. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, for example. Look what Paul said here. In chapter 12, verse 7. Let's see here. Yes, in verse 2. I knew a man in Christ more than 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or out of the body I cannot tell, God knows. Such a man was called up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I cannot tell. God knows how he was called up into paradise, and he heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, there are no words that are unlawful for a man to utter. Amen. God designed us. Hallelujah. <laughs> God designed us to experience Him right? The most difficult to utter thing in the universe is actually God himself. What Paul is saying here is that he could not find words, right, that could sufficiently describe what he saw. That's what he's saying here. Basically, these, what, what Paul saw was inexpressible things. And this is the scenario you're going to experience when you enter the realm of the spirit. Almost everything is difficult to decipher. But for the purpose of interfacing, for the purpose of experience, the Holy Spirit gives every creature adequate interpretation, right? There is, a, there, is a, there is a unique way that these things manifest to us, depending on the spirit that we are, you know, interacting with these places with. So, for example, when people have demonic encounters with Satan and they enter into hell, you know, realms in hell. They can see realms in hell, like I mean, what's that kingdom, right? Or uh, like in Black Panthers, the what is that realm called again? When they they bury them and they go, they go to sleep and they they wake up, what's that place called again? The something plane, right? The the celestial plane. There we go. Okay, that place that they call the celestial plane is hell. How many of you know that? In what when people die, they don't go to the celestial planes of Wakanda. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you die and you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. How I many of you know that? So what those guys are encountering there um, to shock out the rest of them are evil spirits, familiar spirits from the, from the ancestry. <laughs> Hallelujah! Celestial hell. There we go. <laughs> Hallelujah! Good, good, good. I'm glad everyone knows that, right? Your mom well, told you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well <laughs> Cassie. Amen. So whenever you're, what what's happening there? The evil spirits, right? in these guys' lives, are interpreting hell to these guys, right? Now, the evil spirits are lying, hallelujah, but that's the best interpretation that they can give, hallelujah. Those things are not real, amen? So, whenever you're seeing all of these experiences, okay, people are having prophetic experiences, keep in mind that most of their experiences are parabolic, amen? You would see some things like that in the Bible. When the Bible would describe, for example, the book of Ezekiel, when Ezekiel had an encounter with the cherubim, he knew the cherubim were not the things he said, but he said that they were like unto. You keep on seeing the book of Revelation. I saw a man like unto the Son of Man, right? I saw one that was like unto the Son of Man. Or oh, I saw him as though, it looked as though, or oh, that would say things like, he was like unto, okay? That's how the King James says it. Basically, when the Bible is referring to spiritual entities, most of the time, the Bible will let you know, hey, this thing isn't exactly what I'm about to describe it as, but this is the word that best fits what I'm looking at here, okay? Or let me say it like this, the Holy Spirit is granting me some kind of discernment, right? of some kind of spiritual entity here in front of me. The best interpretation we'll have for what I'm seeing here is this. So the devil will appear as a dragon, amen? Or the devil will appear as a serpent, right? Depending on what the, what the, what the context is. Or Jesus will appear as a lion, Or Jesus will appear as a lamb. Or Jesus will appear as a man. Amen? It is dependent on what the... Okay? So, with all of this understood, we know, amen, that the tree of life, amen, is not literal. The same thing with books in the realm of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Books are not literal pages stuck together, bound together with thread. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. In the realm of the spirit, whenever I want to communicate, okay, entities have to flow. Let me give you a quick Bible verse that will explain this. We can explain this time and time again, but for the sake of the last time we're going to say this this year, (laughs) I hope. That one says, your God spoke in times past to our fathers by the prophets. Amen. Now, let me get the... Let me get the um, proper because I I read this before and I was like, "Huh, this is not the narrative I have." You King James? No, that doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, actually, it kind of does help. Okay, but let me read it to you the original Greek, okay? In the last, so God in times past, okay, spoke. God at such times, let me use the New King James. New King James, are we there? God at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Now, God, I'm gonna read now, I'm gonna switch to the Greek, okay? In last the days, okay, he does speak to us in son. Amen? If you go back and you read into the Greek what the previous verse said, it says here, in many parts, and in many ways of old, God did speak to the fathers in the prophets, okay? In the last days, God does speak to us in son. Does that make sense? So in the Old Testament, it was through the prophets, but in the New Testament, it is in the son. Now, for for context here, it's very crucial we understand. Whenever God was communicating, okay, the language used here was that God spoke in the prophets, and God is speaking in the son, that's in there is speaking about the spirit of Christ. Amen. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. For context, let me give this to you. First Peter chapter one. Let's see here. Let's start from verse. Uh, 10. Let me know if this is difficult to understand, by the way. The Bible says the prophets of God, they inquired and they searched carefully Okay, when they prophesied of the grace that will come to you, searching what or what manner of time, the spirits of Christ who was in them. Okay, so when they were prophesying, what was actually speaking, okay, was the spirit of Christ in them. That was how God spoke by the spirit of Christ that was in them. Okay, God spoke, all right, inside of people, okay, through his spirit. So whenever God speaks, his spirit emerges and the spirit is what reveals the word of God. Amen. A good of explaining this is how whenever you speak, sound waves come out of your mouth, but they travel through the air. Okay. The air in this context, all right, is the breath of God, the spirit of God. Okay. And the sound waves traveling through the air is the word of God. Okay. So what God wants to communicate is a person, and that person flows freely through the spirit of God. Does that make sense? Amen. So we go back to books, okay? Hallelujah. Excuse me. Hallelujah. Sorry, just been really busy, a little exhausted. It is well. Okay. When you go back to books, amen, in the scriptures, hallelujah, please understand that there are no literal books in heaven. Amen? In heaven, all records, hallelujah are captured as impartations, amen? Are captured as spiritual entities, which when read to you, all right, when the book of life is read to you, for example, impartations are released. Spirits and life, all right, are released. There are no physical books, okay? So when the book is unsealed, it means that what? Spiritual entities are released to you. Does that make sense? This is the purpose of the four horsemen to communicate, all right, to us the contents of the book of life, amen? Like I said before, this is what happens when chariots head your way. Communicates to you, right? Authority, right? Governmental authority, they transport, all right? Governmental authority. They also communicate messages, right? And lastly, this communication is a military campaign against the forces of darkness. You're going to see that when are every single time you look at these chariots of fire, these horsemen. Make sense? So let's go to Revelation 6. That's how we'll end today, okay? Putting everything together. All right. With everything that's been said so far, when the Lamb of God opens one of the seals, all right, what now happens is an entity emerges, right? As this entity emerges... Four living creatures begin to tell them, hey, dude, look at this creature, okay? And upon sighting this creature, all right, he discovers that this creature is white, a bow was given to it, and this creature came conquering to conquer, okay? Notice how the four living creatures said something, and that thing he said, um, his voice echoed like thunder, okay? That speaks about something that gets your attention. In other words, the the voice of the four living creatures was very difficult to ignore, Okay? This is not something that happens in your life passively. This is an active administration of heaven into your life. Okay, heaven is getting your attention. That's what the whole point of the voice like thunder means. Okay, it also speaks of something that is heavenly. When Bible speaks about um, some say it thundered, because always obviously never was before in the Bible. Jesus Christ was talking to God, and God responded to Jesus, but His voice came like thunder. And Bible says that the people that were around Him, they didn't understand what He said. But Jesus heard what they said as clear as day, okay? So the Bible is saying here, this thing, okay, of the four living creatures sounding like thunder to other people is going to sound like thunder to them. But to you, you're going to hear, come and see if the seal has been broken over your head. Does that make sense? This is very crucial. Most of the events in the book of Revelation are actually private experiences. They are not public experiences. This is one reason why many things that we interpret from the book of Revelation if they are not inspired by the holy spirit you are mostly wrong <laughs> especially because our perspective about the book of revelation is that we um assume mama has explained before right that I don't think that because you have an interpretation of the book of revelation that everything you're going to follow sequentially in other words revelation 13 follows revelation 12 follows revelation 11 Revelations 10 if you if you go that way with interpreting the book of revelation without um, understanding what the book is about, you're going to make lots of mistakes. Amen? The only way you can read the book of Revelation sequentially is if you're looking for what they're trying to communicate in it, as in the book itself. Not you trying to interpret some things. Let me, let me phrase it like this. For you to understand this book, you have to let the book speak for itself. That's the best way to say it. You're going to see off of the book of Revelation, there is something they're trying to communicate. You need to actually humble yourself and find out what that thing is. If you don't do that, you will never understand what this book is about. Does that make sense? Many people, they think the book is about the Antichrist. Many people, they think the book is about the 666. The mark, not going to be 666, right? Many people think it's about the rapture. We actually, what we need to do is that we actually need to let the book speak for itself. All right? When the book speaks for itself, we're going to find that it is not a sealed book. It's not even a hard book, Amen. The issue is that we have so many misinterpretations that we subconsciously, right, reach for whenever we read the book. That we completely disregard the book's attempts at explaining things to us. Amen? Sure thing, sure thing. Someone has a few question for me. Absolutely, sure thing, sure thing. Amen? So, sure thing, sure thing, absolutely. Okay, so, um, come and see, and I looked, and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow, a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Okay? So that suggests, like, some kind of violent attack, right? When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature also saying, come and see. We can assume also that there was also a sound of thunder as well, right? And another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to him, to the one who sat on on it to take peace from the earth that people should kill one another, okay? And there was given unto him a great sword, okay? So even more violence, okay? When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse, And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius. Do not harm the oil and the wine. Okay. This is our third seal. This is very important. Okay. When it's time for our fourth fourth seal to be broken, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. Okay. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him, and power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, to kill with hunger, to kill with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Okay, now we've we've heard all of that, okay? Let's look at what happens with the fifth seal, okay? After all the four living creatures have finished ministry, look what happens. When the fifth seal was broken, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they crowded with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should they should rest. Oh, sorry, I'm reading ahead here, sorry. Okay. Right. okay. A white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, okay, who would be killed as they were, was completed. Now I've explained this before. All of the four seals, the first four seals, their goal was to kill something inside of you. Amen. That is the military campaign. Amen. That is the military campaign. The goal. I'm going to put the the points again on this on the in the group chat. Okay. The goal of these chariots of fire. Amen. Again. Is for transporting governmental entities right communicating right messages from heaven and a military campaign from heaven into the earth right basically heaven is fighting against hell basically okay what you're going to find is that these chariots of fire are waging warfare against worldliness in our lives amen and their primary goal is that they would kill something in us. Now, when the four of them have finished their ministry, John looks and he sees the souls of people who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. In other words, what killed these people was the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Is everyone listening? This is what these four horsemen are all about, okay? God's word dealing with you. Killing your dreams, killing your ambitions, killing your selfish motives, killing your works of the flesh, amen? This is what the four horsemen are all about. This is what their ministry is for, amen? And the fruit of of this ministry on the inside of you, amen, is a cry, amen? It's called the Maranatha cry. It's a cry for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a cry for the redemption of the body, It's called the groaning, amen, that the Spirit of God does on the inside of us is actually also the groaning that the Spirit of God does in creation as well, amen. It is a groaning for the body of Jesus Christ, amen. What happens is that when you as an individual have been dealt with by God's word, when God's word has killed worldliness on the inside of you, do you know what happens to you? You begin to release an organic cry in your heart. Do you know what that cry is for? We need Jesus in the world, amen. We need Jesus in Nigeria. We need Jesus in this nation. Check it. As a young person, let's say prior to many, not everyone here was on fire for God from when they were kids up till now. Almost everyone here should have had a venture into the world. I want you to look back on your life and check the difference in the cries in your heart before and after meeting Jesus. You can easily see how once you had an encounter with God, you had fresh desires Right, fresh ambitions, and they revolved around proximity with the Lord. Right, I'll share my story at least, or whatever. After catching fire for God, I could, I would never have prayed. I, all I prayed for before catching fire for God was for my for my personal needs, things like house, right, money, uh, wife, house rent. I raised my son house rent, and like those those things everyone look, looks for, right? I don't think I ever prayed for house rent in my life, but you get the you get the idea. But like you know, the things that Gentiles seek, basically, right, were the prayer points that we all had prior to actually meeting with Jesus. You can be a a, a church person, okay, but yet you haven't met Jesus yet. By the way, just just quick heads up, wife. <laughs> so that's wife. I'm getting, well, I, Okay, so wife also. I don't think uh, I don't think that was something I cried for before I caught fire for God. <laughs> so fair, fair question, fair question. <laughs> so wife, husband, children, what else? House rent, um grades, these things are not bad, by the way. Amen. But when that is the predominant cry of your heart to the Lord, you you need to encounter God, basically. Amen. The freedom, the way you know you've encountered God is when He has dealt with something on the inside of you. When that when that dealing has taken place, there will be a singular cry. No, you can you can have things you need in your life, don't get me wrong. And you meet with the Lord and He'll answer them. Don't get me wrong. But make no mistake, the predominant cry of your heart, amen, is for the Lord Jesus Christ to return to this planet. It won't just be a prayer, amen. It should be something that drives you. All of your actions in your life will be driven by this cry, amen. It will be a burden in your heart, amen. And the Bible describes this burden, all right, in these people here, amen, as, as uh, I'm going to look for language here to, to describe it the best way I can. But basically what you're going to see here. Is that these individuals, they're seeing the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as the wrath of God, as the vengeance of God. So you know what they're saying? They cry with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood of those who dwell on the earth? Amen. The Bible then says, then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, right? We should be killed as they were, was completed. Amen. So, what you're seeing here, beloved, amen, is actually what we can refer to as New Testament priesthood. Hallelujah. What's happening here is that as, as you 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 are, let me say it like this: as God deals with you, amen, you have more priestly functionality. Amen. As you allow the spirits of God, as you allow God's word to weed out from you, amen. Things in your heart that are selfish, Amen. Your own desires, your own wishes, your own will. The spirits of God will be able to will be able to birth the agenda of God on the inside of you, Amen. The Bible describes this as the unsealing of the book, Amen. Where the organic life of God in your spirit, man, flows into your soul, saturating your soul with the wisdom of God's will. <sighs> Excuse me with the desires of God, with the ambitions of God, with the groanings of the Spirit of God. So that you who has the first fruits of the Spirit of God, you also groan for the redemption of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. What you mix, what I'm describing here is the military campaign of heaven, amen, against worldliness on the inside of us. Amen. It is God communicating the contents of the book of life to us. Hallelujah. And because of this, amen, we are given the authority Amen? Of the white linen, to minister to the Lord. Uh, we shared this during Melchizedek School last week when we explained, um, you know, there was this prophetic burden that really hit the room, and it was so powerful, by the way. By the way, we're coming to the end of the Feast of Light, in case you don't know that, by the way. The Feast of Light ends this Friday, in the middle of our the, uh, 50-hour prayer flood. Amen? During that period of time, something hit, something slapped really hard, and it was this. There are some prayers that God wants to answer And no one is praying those prayers. You know why? People are distracted by their selfish motives. People are distracted by their selfish wishes. Amen? People are distracted by their agendas, by their dreams. People are distracted by the lust of the flesh, by the lust of the eyes, and by the pride of life. And God knows that these prayers that need to be answered, he cannot answer them for us. Amen? People think that God... Because God knows what we need. You know those words that say things like, before you ask, I'll answer. Let me tell you something, amen? <laughs> you are meant to actually pray the will of God onto the earth. If you do not pray the will of God to the earth, do not be surprised if it doesn't happen. Amen? I've heard people pray this before. Heavenly Father, you know what's in your heart. You know You know what your will is. Do it, Lord. Do your will. Do your will, Heavenly Father. Amen? That is a very inefficient way to pray. Amen? As a believer... What you're meant to do in the place of prayer, first of all, is cry out to the Lord for his agenda, for his will. We hallow his name, right? And we pursue his agenda. We pursue his kingdom. We pursue that which he wants and on the earth. It starts off with the revelation of the Father's will. Amen? Once the Father's will has been revealed to us, the next thing to do is to pray it. Pray the Father's will to the earth. When I say pray, I mean viciously yes your will be done on earth as it is in heaven amen but it starts with discovering what that will is upon becoming privy to that will we are meant to intelligently pray it out god doesn't want us to just pray prayers of of abstraction no god wants us to be in the know this is why we have colossians chapter one as a prayer that we will be filled with the knowledge of god's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding amen god desires this for us amen god doesn't want us to pray ignorant prayers Now, I'm saying this because unless we pray some things, God cannot do some things on the earth. Amen? The heavens belong to God, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. And without the sons of men, God can't do some things on the earth. So God has things he wants to do. God wants to release Jesus on the earth. But God needs man's partnership. Without God's partnership, Jesus Christ cannot be found on the earth. And so for this reason, some people... Amen. God, in his mercy, will release these chairs of fire upon some people. And the fruit of this release is that these chairs of fire would kill those things that are stopping them from praying these prayers, that are stopping them from, be, from bearing these burdens, and are stopping them from being ignited by the Lord. Amen. The fruit, hallelujah, of these prayers, the fruit, hallelujah, of these burdens hitting us is that we're going to begin to kickstart the processes that lead to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So you, you you see that, amen, right here in these verses. How much longer until um, uh, until when the Lord Jesus Christ returns? And it was said to them, until the number of your fellow servants and your brethren who will be killed as you are, will be completed. Amen? So in other words, until the full number, until your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? There are some people that are meant to be here. The, the best way to describe um, this process is seen in chapter seven, where the Bible describes um, how there will be um, from every single tribe, Amen. There will be a sufficient uh, outpouring of God's Spirit, Amen. That will be poured out. That will be. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me explain this properly, and I'll use it to end today's meeting. Okay. Paul discussed this thing in Revelation in Romans chapter sixteen, Amen. Look what Paul says. Okay. Paul says this in um, Romans chapter sixteen, verse twenty-five. Paul says to God who's able to establish us according to his gospel, amen, according to Paul's gospel, he says, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, okay, by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Look at that. God, okay, is making the prophetic scriptures Okay, he's making them known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. In other words, every nation on the earth ought to be obeying faith. Okay, Paul echoes this in Revelations chapter 1. Uh, let's see here from verse 5. Paul says that we have received grace and apostleship, right, for obedience to the faith among all nations for the name of Jesus Christ. This is literally Revelation chapter 6 and 7 that Paul just quoted here. Amen. It might be difficult to see, but if you know about the sealing of the, on on the foreheads, amen, of the servants of God, you can see that right here. Amen. Every, from every nation, from every tribe and tongue, there ought to be a sufficient witness. Amen. A sufficient witness of obedience to the faith among all nations. Paul said it like this. Paul said that the Offering up of the Gentiles will be sanctified. Yes, Romans 15, 16. Romans 15, verse 16. Look at this verse, okay? And I may be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So basically what Paul is saying here is that every Gentile people group, amen, They need to offer, bring an offering to God, amen, that is acceptable, amen? The book of Revelations shows this same thing, but it says it a little bit differently, amen? In the book of Revelation, it paints the Gentile world, amen? It paints the whole world as though the entire world was Israel, amen? And all the different nations of the earth are represented by the tribes of Israel, amen? And so the tribe of Reuben, Amen. There must be an offering worthy of 12,000 from 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 Judah, from Reuben, from Gad, from Asher, from Naphtali, from Manasseh. Amen. You keep on seeing this reference to the 12 tribes of Israel. If you are not careful, you think it's talking about literal, physical Israel. Amen. And you can have that conclusion until you get to verse nine, when when John says, after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude of people which no one can number of all nations, amen? For obedience to the faith from all nations, hallelujah. So basically, what, what am I saying here, okay? From Nigeria, there ought to be obedience to the faith. From Lagos, there ought to be obedience to the faith. From Ogudu-GRA, there ought to be obedience to the faith. From Ikeja GRA, there ought to be obedience to the faith. From Leki phase one, there ought to be obedience to the faith. From Leki phase two, from Chevron, amen? From VGC, there ought to be obedience to the faith. Notice any kind of obedience to the faith, amen? Obedience to the faith that is worthy of 12,000, 12,000, 12,000, amen? That is a picture of, of getting to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Amen. So right there is your ticket, amen? For what was being said right here, when it was said here, how much longer, amen? Until you avenge our brothers on the earth. And the response to how much longer is until when the offering of the Gentiles has been accepted by God. Is everyone listening? Once you understand this, you will see that while it is good to get people born again, it is very important that The people that are getting born again are being discipled to become like Jesus. The people that are getting born again, amen, are being nurtured with the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. People that are getting born again are being trained to look like Jesus. They are are understanding the agenda of God. People that are being born again, they are being taught the precepts of God. Why? For the obedience to the faith among all nations, to the measure of the stature Mm -hmm. of the fullness of Christ. So basically what's happening here is that for the sole purpose, amen, of ending this age, amen, what would happen is that in every tribe and every tongue, people would be visited by the chariots of fire. And these people, amen, that are visited, if they will allow the ministry of chariots of fire to complete on the inside of them, they're going to find themselves in this company that was found under the altar when the fifth seal was broken. What are these people here doing under the under the altar when the fifth seal was broken? They are crying, they are not to cry. In other words, you can say like this, the four horsemen, what they do is they help you to cry out for Jesus. You can say like this, the four horsemen, what they do is that they help you to stop being distracted by the things of this world. In other words, the four horsemen, what they do is they help you to focus on God, amen? If you check, when the four, cha- the four, um, the chariots of Fire came to pick up Elijah, you know what they did? They generated a whirlwind. Amen. And this whirlwind carried up Elijah into heaven. Hallelujah. When Elijah was about to be attacked, amen, by the Syrians, amen. How was Elijah defended? By the same, he, oh, because I could said Syrians. Syria got activated. <laughs> it's all right, Syria, not from Syria. Okay, whatever. Dry joke there. You guys get the idea. Hallelujah. Okay. So I think we're going to call it quits. Hallelujah. If anyone has any questions, please type them in the chat and I'll be able to respond to them. Amen. But if mm-hmm. not, I'll begin to round up slowly. Okay. Because we were, this might be our last session of the year because, not mind me, it is because I'm not preaching on the 20th. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, maybe the 27th. If I feel, um, what Pastor Francis, sorry, uh, Pastor Francis Sebor feels um, um, that it's something that needs to be communicated. Hallelujah. Okay, it looks like there is no message. And I want to thank you all so much for joining us. <laughs> this has been the Revelation Code, a spinoff of our weekly podcast, Mysteries of the Kingdom. Pastor Francis Sebor is the host of this meeting. One more session. We trust God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. How blessed. My friend Sieber is the host of this podcast, and he sends his love and his greetings, and he's always so grateful that people take time out to spend time in the Word. Please go revisit the previous sessions, by the way, because many of the things that were discussed there, I'm going to be honest with you, they surprised me. I remember when I first spoke about the cosmology of the ones and the fours, that was my first time seeing it beyond an abstraction, because te- as I was teaching it, I was, see- <coughs> excuse me. Me. As I was teaching it, I was seeing it as I was I was teaching it. I was shocked by what I was seeing. I've never had that experience before of seeing them like that before. Pre- Normally I'll have these experiences in my bedroom, maybe while I'm praying or something or whatever. But this is my first time seeing it while preaching like that. Amen. So I would encourage you, go back, take note, take your notes out, just do Bible study, man. Just enjoy your December break time. Thank God for chicken and, and rice, but thank God for the word. Amen. What what wonderful! What a wonderful thing it would be if we break deeper into God's word this season, Amen. All right, so don't forget tomorrow is our um, prayer sto- prayer flood. Excuse me, Amen. Starting uh, with Melchizedek School, and we're ending with PHB. Hallelujah! If you have not registered, please do. If you notice the prices have gone up, Amen. Please register quickly, Amen. There is a ah, I'm just gonna stop with that. Amen. Register quickly. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, okay. I think we're done. Thank you much. So thank you much. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, beloved. This has been a wonderful time in God's presence. Don't forget that tomorrow is Melchizedek School of Priesthood. It kicks up at four p- yeah, it kicks off at 4 p.m. Amen. So that's gonna be the start of our prayer flood. Jesus loves you, beloved. Have a blessed night.